thought of just uh, of, of the, the new year that uh, is turning over just kind of kept uh, ringing in my head. You know, uh, we're, we're celebrating this Christmas season. and I love uh, the fact that Ray said make room for him because I thought of what had happened to Jesus when he was born, that there was no room in the inns uh, for him anywhere and how that could happen in our hearts uh, because we, we fill it with the busyness of the season, the gifts and the the, the, the different things that go on that we forget to make room for Jesus in our hearts. And so I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, but I, again, as I was asking the Lord what to share, uh, the, the, the turnover of the year just kind of kept coming to my heart. And, and um, you know, I, I thought about the fact that I'm sure there's a lot of different New Year's goals. Do you guys believe in that? Do you guys do New Year's resolutions? You keep it for about two weeks, and the third week it's broken, right? Um, we have life goals, hopefully. Uh, all of us have uh, goals in, in life. Goals are good. Um, we have to actually uh, uh, write them down, plan them, and, and, and hopefully, with God's help, we, we, we keep them. I thought about the Christian cry, how as Christians we're always saying, and, and, and we should continue to say it because that should be our heart, Lord, I, I, I want to know you more. Lord, I want to draw closer to you. Lord, I want to be in your word. I want to feel the heartbeat, Lord, of your word. I want the Holy Spirit to teach me. I want you to teach me. I want you to show me. I want you to direct me. Um, I was thinking about the Christian safety, about the fact that that is how we're safe. When we're in the word of God, when we're in the will of God, when we're asking him to, to lead our steps. And I was thinking about the Christian responsibility. The fact that as Christians we are responsible to know our Lord, to know His Word, to know the direction that He has for our lives, and then to live it. And so again, that's kind of why I was thinking about this new year, because I kept thinking about um, a devotional life. I kept thinking about how to, to have wisdom in this new year, and, and it happens through uh, spending time with, with Jesus. I always remember that, that passage um, in the book of Acts where they were looking at the apostles and they couldn't understand the wisdom that they had. And then they said, oh, we remember it's because they were with Jesus. And that has to be our heart. We have to know that as we spend time with Jesus that he'll, he'll rub off on us. He'll, he'll be inside of us. He'll permeate our lives. Our cups will run over and so I was thinking about the, the book of Proverbs, and I was thinking about wisdom in the book of Proverbs, and I, and I was attracted to Proverbs chapter 2. And so if you have your Bible with you, um, go ahead and open up to, to Proverbs chapter 2. This new year that, 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 uh, that we're going to be turning into, I can't believe this year just went by so fast. Huh? I mean, it, it just... It's so true. I used to think that that was old man talk, that time is just flying by, but the older I get, um, it really is true. I mean, my wife and I, we kind of look at each other and we say it's Monday, and then we close our eyes and we're looking at each other again and we say it's Sunday. I don't know if that happens to you. I don't know if it's ministry. I have a feeling that life is just going by uh, so, so quick for every single one of us. But we have a challenge. Um, in fact, I want to challenge you for this new year. Um, to be wise, to draw close to the Lord, to have a devotional life. 
Um, there's something about the new year turning over that we have an opportunity to kind of start all over again. Huh? It's a new calendar that we buy. Nothing's on that calendar. We're able to write different things. I pray that on the calendar of your heart, you would challenge yourself. You would ask God for the strength to have a devotional life, to have a prayer life, to have a time that you read a good devotional, to have a time where you're in the word of God and you're asking him to show you things, to show you his heart. I want you to consider, consider your devotional life. I want you to consider your prayer life. I don't know if you've ever known this, but you know, in the bulletin, there's a section there where it's reading through the Bible in a year. And I, and I wonder as I look out, how many of you have ever read through a book in the Bible, let alone the whole Bible? And I don't say that to come down on you. I say that to encourage you, to challenge you, to have a devotional life and to be in the Word of God. And so we're in Proverbs 2, chapter uh, verses 1 through 4 we're going to start with. Let's go ahead and read it and see how this is kind of pointing us in that area. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search her for as hidden treasures. I don't know about you guys, but as I was reading this proverb, it, it made me visualize Solomon walking uh, with his son and his arm around his son's shoulder. It was a, it's, a, it's kind of a father-son moment, huh? Um, I pray that as parents, we don't let the busyness of life, the, the cold or, or maybe uninterested responses that our kids give us, sometimes when we want their attention, or even our past mistakes to keep us from making an effort to reach out to them to have a relationship, to talk to them about life, like Solomon is doing here, like God wants to do with us. Uh, and I also want you to know that this doesn't have to be a son. The Hebrew word is also used for children, so we need to reach out not only to our sons, but also to our daughters as well. And as we read this proverb, it's clear that the son here depicted is a son who hasn't or maybe is about to face the realities of life which then reinforces the idea to us that if we have little ones, we should try to get them early. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't remain their counselors for the rest of their lives. And as a side note, I also want you to read this proverb along with me, knowing that, that we're also children of God, aren't we? If you receive the Lord, the Bible says, to those who have received the Lord, right? To them, to them. He gave the right to become children of God or to be called children of God or become children of God. And so before you think, well, I've been there, done that, I'm beyond help, you can't teach a dog new tricks, God can. He, he does and, and he will if we allow him access to our lives, if we give him our heart, he will change us through his word. He will change us through spending time at his feet. The big idea of this proverb, as so many of the other proverbs, is that the wisdom of the Lord keeps us on the right path. We want wisdom, don't we? We want to be wise guys. We want to be wise women. Especially as we turn over this year, we want to erase the mistakes of the past, to learn from them, and to turn over a new leaf, to learn, to grow. That should be our hope. That should be our prayer. And so in the beginning, I want to focus on verses 1 through 4 again. And just some of the words that we want to take notice of. Maybe you might even want to highlight them. Um, it's the word if and the word and. 
the word if, and since the word and is really uh, being used here as an extension of the word if, they're both con- conditional verbs. They're conjunctions, so to speak. It's a condition. If and and you do this, then you will get something. The Webster defines conditional as something subject to or dependent upon a condition. And guys, we need to understand that having wisdom is not a right. It's not like, you know, we're, we're, we're a, we're a, a, we belong to the Lord and it's an automatic thing. It doesn't just happen because we're His children. Yes, belonging to Him gives us access to His wisdom. But this access is contingent, isn't it? It's contingent on an action on our part. We have to do something. I like what John Phillips said in his commentary. The word if underlines the element of choice in the process of acquiring wisdom. God created people, not puppets. We have a choice. He gives us a choice. He gives us good choices. Our flesh wants bad choices. And so what is our choice in light of this proverb, in light of the fact that we want wisdom for this new year? It's three things. We need to be receptive. We need to be reactive. And we need to be resolved. And so look at the, the, the first one, receptive. It says, my son, verse 1, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. When I read that, that verse right there, I automatically thought of receiving the Lord into your heart because that's where it starts with, huh? I guess if an unbeliever were to approach a proverb, they can get something out of it, but it's not ever going to compete with what a believer can get out of huh? a proverb, get out of the word of God. Um, it won't compare to the wisdom that God, as the father, wants to give his sons because it comes from his heart. It comes from the father's heart and because we know that it comes from the father's heart, we receive it from the father. Question, whose counsel has more weight, a father or somebody else? Hopefully, if you still have your father, if you could remember your father's counsels, you'll, you'll, you'll cherish them. You'll remember them. There was weight to your father's counsel because you know that they came from a place of love. There is no one besides God that loves us like our parents do. So we have to receive him, right? It starts there. And I pray today, I don't know all your hearts. I know most of you, but I pray that you had made a decision for the Lord Jesus. I pray that you've asked them into your heart, that you recognize that he is God who came to this world to die for you. And he rose to show his power, the power of God. And if we believe in that, if we put our trust in him, then we become his children. We are his children. And so we have to receive them. It says in John 1.12, but as many as received them to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Colossians 2.6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. We have to receive him. But once we receive them, we must also receive his word. We must also be spending time in his word. The word receive in the Hebrew means to take, get, fetch, lay hold of, seize, receive, acquire, buy, bring. Interesting, marry. Take a wife, snatch, take away. And so Colossians 3.16 reminds us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
Psalm 119.11 is another verse that we should memorize in our heart. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. John 15.7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And we remember what Jesus said, right? If you love me, then you will what? And you will keep my commandments. And it doesn't take a brain surgeon to know that if we're to keep his commandments, we must know what those commandments are. We must be in the word of God. We have to be receptive to his word. That's why I want to encourage you, have a plan. Have a plan of action. State it, write it down. I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to read through the whole Bible. I'm going to read the Proverbs every single day this new year. Have a plan. We have to be receptive to his word. One translation, the NIV uses the word accept for the word receive. Another uh, translation uses the word listen. And I was just thinking, have you ever done that? Someone's talking to you and you're hearing them, but you're not really listening. And so it takes more than just you know, reading the word of God. Uh, uh, Brother Alazar, if, if you guys read the, the weekly evotionals, wrote something about that. He was saying, you know what, I, I, I was, there was a season in my life where I was reading and reading and reading and I was getting through 10, 15 chapters a day. But I couldn't understand how I didn't have power over sin. And I realized that it's because I wasn't really intaking the Word of God. I wasn't truly listening, receiving the Word of God. I was just reading the chapters to read them and that's not what we're to do or to stop or to pause or to pray or to ask God to, to show us. That's what a devotional is all about. It's interesting that, that, that when you think of, of, of someone hearing but not really listening, you think of, of your kids, huh? Uh, my kids are experts at this, man. And, and it was funny because as I was studying this, Carlos sent me a text that says, by the time a man realizes that his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. And I think how ironic is that? But we need to listen. We need to intake God's word. We need to receive it. The question that I have for you is, have you accepted God's word? Do you listen to it? Do you accept it as inspired? Which means that God divinely influenced the human authors of the scriptures in such a way that when they wrote it, it was the very word of God. Do you believe that with all your heart? Do you accept it as inerrant? which means that, there, that it's without error, that it's not, there's no possible way that there's error. And that, that's infallible because it's the word of God. Do you receive it in that way? Because if you do, then that should excite you. And that should allow the word of God to, to, to be the one that guides your life by the Holy Spirit. If you were to go to our webpage, and I encourage you to do so on about, you'll find a statement of faith Concerning the word of God, it says the word of God is a foundation upon which the church operates and it's the basis for which the church is governed. We believe that the word of God supersedes any earthly law that is contrary to the holy scriptures. Do you believe that? Do you believe that as Christians? Concerning the, 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 the law of God, his word, Deuteronomy is an interesting verse because it says in Deuteronomy 4, 6, therefore be careful to observe them for this is your wisdom. Speaking of, of having wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statues and say, surely this great nation is wise and an understanding people. 
So if we listen to the word of God, we're going to have an effect where people who are looking in are seeing there's something different about them. They're different. But if we don't, then we're just going to be like the rest. In fact, it'll be worse because the Bible says that when the righteous fall before the wicked, it's like a murky spring or a polluted well. Manny the other day was at a men's conference and and he was sharing the, the five facets of taking in God's word. And we need to know this. The first one is to hear. You're here today and you're hearing the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The second facet is reading. Do you read the word of God every day? Revelations 1, 3 says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So you hear it, you read it. And the third facet is you study it. In Acts 17, 11, it says they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So do you read it, but then do you go to a commentary? Do you go to a cross-reference? Do you look up a word to understand the meaning of it? I encourage you and I challenge you to do so. And then the last one is, do you memorize it? Because when those attacks of the enemy and they're going to come, come, You need to be able to swing your sword. That's what Jesus did, right, in the wilderness. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We talked about that earlier. And then lastly, you meditate on it, right? Psalm 1-2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and and in his law he meditates day and night. I, I challenge you, I encourage you, have a devotional life. Have a life where you do these things, where you have an intake of God's word because it will change your life. And so I want to ask you, do you accept this? Do you accept this as Christians? If you do, then then you're also going to listen to it. You're going to heed it. And then and only then will we be able to do the next step. So the first one is to be receptive to the word of God. The second step is to be reactive to the word of God. How do we react to, to, to God through his word? Well, notice the second part of verse 1. My son, have you received my words and treasure my commands within you? Being receptive, we then can be reactive. Treasure. I like Mark, and and I agree with Mark. I I love the English language. Uh, uh, Like Mark says, I'm an American through and through, but I also grew up speaking the Spanish language, so I have some... I'm familiar with it. And, and, and I'll tell you, you do lose a lot of things in, in, in English that you normally would get in another language. Spanish is the only other language I know. But he said the word aprecia huh, for the word appreciated. And, it, and those of you that know Spanish, doesn't it just ring more true? It, you, you think of aprecia. You think of someone that is just has something that is precious and, is precious and it's, he's taking care of it. We need, we need to do that with God's God's word, guys. We need to appreciate it. Being receptive, we then can be reactive. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So where's your treasure at? Matthew 13, 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That really is speaking of Jesus and what he did for us. But again, my question to you is, where is your treasure? 
And so we're going to look again at verses 1 through 4, but now we're going to look at the actions of treasuring something. Notice the, the highlighted words, if they're in there. And it says, And treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. I read a quote from Charles Swindoll, Uh, who says, don't expect wisdom to come into your life like great chunks of rock on a conveyor belt. It isn't like that. It's not splashy or bold. It's not suspended like a prescription across the counter. Wisdom comes privately from God as as a byproduct of right decisions, godly reactions, and the application of spiritual principles to daily circumstances. Wisdom comes not from trying to do great things for God, but more from being faithful to the small, obscure tasks Few people ever see. I like that. And so in order to get wisdom, the proverb tells us that it starts with what? It starts with the fear, the awe, the reverence of God. And if we have the awe of God, then that all will flow over into His written word. We're going to feel the same way about His word because it is God's word. James chapter 1, verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. God, it goes on to say in verse 22 of James that we're to be doers huh, of the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. So we have to be receptive. We have to be reactive. I love this word incline. Incline your ear to wisdom, it says. It, it reminds me of, of bowing. And really that's what that word actually means. It, 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 it's a picture of listening. As we're getting older and, and you're getting harder hearing, what do you do when someone says something to you and you didn't really catch it? You lean in. And, and I just want to be completely transparent with you. I remember when I first became a Christian and I was sitting in seats like you are now, or listening to the Word of God through a, a study on the radio, or just me, myself, with the Word of God, I, I, I felt that I was inclining, inclining my ear to the Word. And, 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 I, and I believe that God was speaking to me. I believe that God was doing works in and through my life because of that. And, and, and so I want to ask you, are you doing that? Have you ever done that? I pray that you would, that you would incline Incline your ear to wisdom. You know, we often say when we're reading uh, the word of God uh, that I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, do we incline towards him as if he were there? The other thing that it tells us that we must do the actions, right, is apply your heart to understanding. The the word in the Hebrew means to to bow again. It means to stretch towards We should stretch to have a heart of understanding. We do that by knowing God's heart through His Word, powered by the Holy Spirit. We we need to think things through, guys. You know, that that whole uh, acronym of of what would Jesus do should apply. Even though it's kind of a Christian cliche, it should apply to our lives and we should be asking ourselves um, when we're thinking things through, what would Jesus do in this situation? before we click and send that thing in social media, before we make a decision, before we do this or we do that, we have to ask ourselves, what would Christ do in this situation? What would Jesus do? 
Proverbs 22, 17 says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. And that's a, the, the next one. It, it tells us that we're to cry out. It, try, it tells us that we're to lift up. And to me, it, it has a, a prayerful tone, doesn't it? Because when we, when we pray, that's what we're doing. We're crying out to the Lord. We're lifting up our supplications to him. And we need to continue doing that. We need to lift up our hearts and our supplications to them. When, when babies want something and, and they can't get it for themselves, what do they do? They cry. They cry and they cry and they cry and they cry to let us know that, that they're, they're hungry, to let us know that they're, they're seeking something. And, and, and I believe that as Christians, we need to continue to do that. Lord, show me your way. Psalm 25, 4 is a cry. It says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. That's a cry of, 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 of the psalmist who's saying, Lord, I need to hear from you. And so we incline, we apply, we cry out, we lift up, and then we're to seek wisdom. We're to seek the Lord as if it's silver. Search for us for hidden treasures. Wisdom is depicted by, by women, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God is wisdom. You ever see those people walking in the parks with those things that look like weed whackers? Right? They're walking around, they got headphones, and you know they're, they're doing this thing. But they're combing the park to try to find silver. That's what they're doing. And, and, and when that beep sounds in, in their earphones, they get on their knees, they start excavating, never mind the worms and the other yucky stuff, they just want to find the silver. And so we have to ask ourselves, is that our heart towards wisdom? Is that our heart towards the Word of God that gives us wisdom? Is that our heart towards God? How, how, how about... So many of us, and I, and I want to make sure that I state this, that I don't, I don't, I don't have anything about having a, a career or getting an education. I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. But how many of us go to college and then slave at work trying to pay back the, the 60, the 100, the $150,000 loan that we got to go to that college in order to make money? We should have that same heart as we're seeking wisdom, as we're seeking the Lord. Ralph Waldo Emerson was once quoted as saying, money often costs too much. And it's true. But God's word is free. His wisdom is free. He'll give it to us with all liberality. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. So it's when. The key word is when we do these things. Receive his word. Treasure his commands. Incline our ears to wisdom. Apply our hearts to understanding. Cry out for discernment, lift up for understanding, search or seek for her as silver, search for her as a treasure, then and only then, truly, do you have God's wisdom. Which is much more than knowledge, guys. Wisdom is the application of that knowledge, the godly application. We could be filled. We live in the Google era, right? And so if you ask me a question, I can bust out my phone and put it in and I'll have an answer for you in seconds. But how do I apply that knowledge? And more importantly, how do I apply godly knowledge? It's through the word of God. It's through being at his feet and seeking his wisdom. Interesting that when you think about it, after all these things that you do, you're really just at the starting line because the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9.10, and it's repeated in the psalm and another proverb. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
And so notice, ifs and ands. If you do the ifs, if you do the ands, then they're followed by the thens. The proverb here now moves us toward the benefit of wisdom and who it is who gives us wisdom. Look at verses 5 through 6. Then, after you do all those things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. When we sit at God's feet, guys, when we have a healthy prayer life, when we chew on God's word, when we meditate on it, when we're hungry for it, then God will reward us with the knowledge. And you know what that knowledge is? That it's all about him. That is all about him. I love that song by Matt Redman, The Heart of Worship. It says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it, when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. That's when we have wisdom, when we realize that this life is about God. When he rules our life when we have such a personal relationship that we're close to his heartbeat, we see his holiness like Moses was able to see the holiness of God. Sometimes we think we're witty, we're smart, we think that we're special because we have an ability, but the reality is that those things have been given to us by God. The Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. In Exodus 31, God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle, and he sends him help in doing so. In speaking of a man named Bezabel, he says the following in Exodus 31, verses 1 through 3. He says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. I think of, of, of Geo who here was today and in a couple hours, man, he did this crazy thing where he just put all these things together and he rearranged the shelf and, and, and was cutting and measuring. And I'm thinking that would have took me two weeks if I could have done that, right? I think of Sergio. I think of David putting in the AC and, and just all the different things. You have to know that those things have been given to you by God. God has blessed you with that knowledge. It wasn't you. It wasn't your schooling. I don't know if you guys have heard, it's a sad situation, we've been talking about it, but there's, a, there's a, a Christian singer by the name of Lauren Daigle, and it's a sad situation. I think before we attack her, we need to pray for her, and we need to continue to pray for her. But it seems like that she forgot who got her where she's at. It seems like she forgot who lifted her up. It wasn't the music industry, it was God. It wasn't Sony, it was the son of God. And she needs to remember that and we need to pray that she would and we ourselves have to learn from that and never forget that. If God ever lifts us up to a position, we have to give him and him only the glory, guys. Because wisdom and knowledge come from him. We can't forget that. Psalm 75 verse 7 reminds us of that. But God is a judge. He puts down and he exalts another. Sister Lauren If I could say anything to you, I would just simply say this. You're not special. The God you sing is special. It's the God you sing about. And if you remember that, then God's going to continue blessing. If not, he's going to put you down like it says in Psalm 75, verse 7. And so verses 7 um, through 9 
Follow along with me. He says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. Ain't it cool? First part of verse 7 where it says He stores up wisdom. Do me a favor. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 10. We're going to read about a queen. Uh, You might be familiar with her. But it has to do with the Proverbs because we know that Solomon was given the wisdom by God to write most of the Proverbs. And in 1 Kings, someone takes notice of the wisdom or takes notice of the wisdom that Solomon has. So 1 Kings chapter 10, it says in verse 1, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold, precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, their apparel, his cupbearers, his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Verse 6, Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy Are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom? Blessed, and I love this, because this should be the response of the world when they look at us. Blessed the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. The world will will take notice, guys. The world will take notice of God's wisdom in you like Solomon, like Joseph, if you remember his story. And our prayer should be that they come to him through that. And that's why we should want to exercise wisdom. It says that, that, that God has stored up wisdom for us, and, and he has like a Sam's Club or a Costco full of wisdom for us if we do the things that we have to do, if we subscribe him the glory. Guzik pointed out that God guards paths and preserves ways. And the second part of that where he says he's a shield, he said he's a shield to those who walk uprightly. God not only gives wisdom in his word, he actively works to defend, guard, and preserve those who walk in his way. Verse 9 says, Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. These things, guys, come from knowing the Lord. When you know how big God is and how small you are, then there's a chance for him to be able to do something with you. King Saul forgot that, huh? But Samuel had to remind him. In 1 Samuel 15, 17, it says, So Samuel said, when you were little, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? As long as we remain little in our own eyes, which we should, because there is nothing special about us, then God can lift us up. Right? If you exalt yourself, I will humble you. If you humble yourself, I will exalt you. 
So now we move to the benefits. Verses 10 through 11. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. When we have God's wisdom, guys, that knowledge, it will be pleasing to our soul. Our, our soul will be pleased by it. Why? Because it knows that God's wisdom is there to protect it. God's wisdom is our protector. And when I look at this word discretion, oh man, how we need that word in our lives. Huh? The, the Hebrew word actually means a plan. It means to have a plan. Other words that are similar are circumspection, care, caution, opposite, is the word indiscretion. A word describing a sinful act, usually adultery of some form. Joseph had a plan, huh? He says, how can I sin against my God? In Genesis 39.9. But he also had plan B. And what was plan B when the first one failed? He ran. He ran as hard as he can, as far as away as possible. And so we need to have those plans before it happens. I, 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 was, I was thinking, you know, if, if you have a house and there's a fire, it would be a bad time to start coming up with an evacuation plan, right? It'd be chaos. It wouldn't work. You need to develop. You need to strengthen. You need to practice that evacu evacuation plan before there's a fire, before there's chaos. We need to have a plan. So many, including the church, fail to make and keep a plan, guys. And so you hear that they fell. Why? Because they didn't have a plan or, or they forgot about the plan. Discretion didn't preserve them. They turned their noses on understanding and it left them. Wisdom, guys, is something that we got to continue seeking. It's not something that we, we store up. Do you guys hear the little drops on the roof? These, these ceilings of ours here at Calvary Chapel Almani have been forever leaky. And no matter what they do, they go and they just splatter them with Henry's and they just continue to leak. But it's a reminder to us that we're leaky, that we leak, that we're holy, right? Not H-O-L-Y, the other holiness, right? We need to refill ourselves. We need to continue seek after wisdom. Wisdom is something we continue seeking, guys. We have to do it for the rest of our life. We have to daily, aggressively cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We have to receive His words, treasure His commands, incline our ears to wisdom, apply our hearts to understanding, cry out for discernment, lift up our petitions so that we can get God's understanding, seek wisdom as for silver, search for her as for treasure. It's our protection. It's our insulator from this crazy, wicked world. It's our warning against our, our, our wandering flesh. It's a no. It is, it is written to the devil when he tempts us. That is our response. We read next that it keeps us from places and people that we don't belong with. Look at verses 12 through 15. To deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprighteousness, to walk in the way of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. 
God's word, God's wisdom will deliver us from the way of evil. It'll tell us, don't go hang out with them. A lot of us as Christians, man, we want to kind of continue the same thing. We want to hang out with those old friends that we had. And, and we, we make the excuse that we're trying to go and evangelize them. But they, we're not evangelizing them. They're evangelizing us. I, I'm not saying that we don't go with a purpose, but you've got to go with the plan. Don't go meeting them at the clubs. Don't go meeting them at the bars. Don't go meeting them where the gangs hang out. Meet them somewhere safe. Take your word. Take a brother with you. Take a sister with you. Have a plan. Because pretty soon, you know, you're going to start looking like them. You're going to start sounding like them. And before you know it, you're going to be one of them. I see it all the time. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Proverbs 1.15, very similar. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Reading verses 16 through 19, another thing wisdom will deliver you from is from the immoral woman. Philip's commentary said the vile woman is just as dangerous and I would even say more than the villainous man. And this is going to speak about a woman. But of course, I don't have to tell you that this is true for both men and women. Both men and women are guilty of this. Both men and women, you could just put a man here and it's the same thing, but it says a woman. So we're going to read verses 16 through 19 to deliver you. Wisdom will deliver you from the immoral woman from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her path to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the path of life. And so we have a worship leader who had a plan of happiness instead of holiness, and he fell. We had a pastor that as his wife is dying of cancer, he hooks up with the slew of women at the church he's serving at. We hear stories like that time and time again. We, we have the privilege where Manny goes on Tuesdays to Calvary Chapel, go over to Springs, and I kind of attach myself, right, like a fly, and I get to hear some of the wisdom of Pastor Raw, and he just tells us time and time again of these things happening, of these, taking, these things taking place in the church with pastors, with leaders. How much more with the church? We have to have a plan, guys. We have to have a plan. The proverb warns against this issue repeatedly, the issue of women. Proverbs uh, 5, 3 through 20, read it yourself. It talks all about being careful. Notice in verse 16, it says, it flatters with her words. Be careful. Fellas, if, if, if some hot girl comes up to you and starts flattering you with her words, don't believe it. The only flatter that I would take is from my wife who knows my wretchedness, who knows my stinkiness. If she chooses to flatter me, then I'll know it's true because she knows how messed up I am, right? But if someone that doesn't know me comes up and tries to flatter me, how do they know? How do they know the snoring at 4 o'clock in the morning? Or all these, they don't know. It's the devil, the devil will always show up, man, in the miniskirt and heels. And we have to know that. And same is true for, for the women. 
We have to know that. Flatters with her words. Be careful. 17, she, she, it tells us what? That she's married. But that don't matter to her. It, it tells her that she at least had the covenant of God. She should have known better. But that doesn't matter to her. And so one day you forget this. And verse 18 basically tells us that you go down her street. huh? For her house leads down to death. And as you go down her street, you go over the cliff. And that's the warning that it gives us. It's scary. It's given to be received in that way, but it's also true. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the path of life. We need to be careful. Wisdom will keep us from the villainous man. Wisdom will keep us from the vile woman or from the vile man. Wisdom will tell us, remember, you're to love the wife of your youth. You're to love the husband of your youth. God made you one. If you sleep with someone because you have Jesus inside of you, it's like you're making Jesus sleep with that individual. That's what wisdom will tell you. And so the final exhortation, verses 20 through 22, it's a final exhortation, it's a promise, and it's a warning. It says in verse 20, So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. And so in closing, I, I beg you, receive his words. Make a, make a plan. Make a commitment. Tell yourself, my New Year's resolution is not to go to the gym, which I'm going to fail in two weeks. Go to the gym, it's good. Right? But more importantly, my New Year's resolution is to draw closer to the Lord, to make a commitment to be in His Word, to receive His Word, to listen to His words. Treasure them. Treasure them. Treasure His commands. It'll be beneficial for you. Incline. Get excited. Pastor Wade, when he, when he spoke to the, the, the young adults, on uh, Friday, uh, I think it was last Friday, he said, if this Christian life is boring to you, it's your fault. You're doing something wrong. There's something wrong with your heart, with your walk, because the Christian life is difficult, but it's an exciting one because you know who you're serving. And he has a plan for you. And he's guiding you. And you get to wake up every day and say, born again. Not just spiritually, but the fact that you were get." to wake up to another day. And you get into that day excited for what he's going to do. Excited for what those divine appointments that he's going to set up, what he's going to show you through his word. Today I was reading my devotional, just to be you know, uh, um, transparent with you. And in, in, in Luke 7, it, it talks about Jesus going to the Samaritan's house. I'm sorry, the Samaritan, the, the, the Pharisee's house. And right away he's criticized by the Pharisees because he's eating with sinners. Right? And in that time, this woman comes in with an alabaster flask and she just starts washing the Lord's feet. And he breaks into this parable where he says, man, you know, this individual, I'm paraphrasing now, but he says, this individual was forgiven for this much and this individual was forgiven for this much more. Who do you think is going to love God more? And the obvious answer is, man, the one that who's been forgiven for so much. And he then turned to this woman and he says, she loves much because she's been forgiven for much. You have to know how much you've been forgiven for. You cannot lose sight of that. 
And the way that you don't lose sight of that is that you're in his word. I, I, my, I have a little, like a little diary that I write and I wrote, Lord, help me ne- to, never to forget how great a sinner I am so that I'll never forget how great is this salvation that you've given me. That has to be our heart, guys, and that's what a devotional will give you. Apply our hearts to understanding. Cry out for discernment. Lift up um, your, your prayers. Seek for him, for wisdom as silver, as for treasure. You'll be blessed in the end. And, and, and I just want to encourage you as we close, have a devotional life. If you want to plan, ask one of us. You know, we'll, we'll point you to the bulletin or, or we'll encourage you to read through the New Testament. Or, um, man, we'll challenge you to read the Proverbs. We're in the Proverbs for men on Saturdays. Every single Saturday, come. Make a... Make a, a, a um, a plan that you're going to come on Saturdays for a man or you're as a lady you're going to get involved in, in a woman's study or something something so that God will bless you with wisdom and that that wisdom will keep you on the right path amen